Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Adoption Law Firm podcast. And today we are going to talk about expenses of adoption. It's a hot topic and there's a lot of people that believe that they cannot adopt because they don't have the money to adopt. So I would love for you to just talk about general costs of adoption, ballpark figures. Right. And then we'll go into some ideas of how we can offset those. I think that's probably the question at the forefront of a lot of people's minds is, and we live in a world of limited resources, right? There's a a thousand good things that we can do, but we have to focus on the core of our responsibilities, you know, in our families and our churches and our work. And then if we have resources left over, then God calls us to how do we use those resources? And so probably the word on the street is, is that adoption costs $50,000 and you know, you've got to be uber wealthy to do that or you've got to go into massive amounts of debt. I love being able to share with people that there are organizations and there's groups and there's strategies that if somebody is interested in caring for orphans through adoption, there's ways to do it that don't cost an arm and a leg. Right. So a general adoption, say if it was going to be a domestic in-country adoption in the U.S., what would you say would be a ballpark figure? I would bifurcate domestic in-country adoption into maybe three different avenues. One is agency. So domestic agency adoption, there are really only a handful of agencies that we recommend people work with, and all of those agencies offset their costs through fundraising. And I think I would really scratch my head if someone were working with an agency and it were costing them more than $30,000. But most of the agencies that we recommend people work with, it's around the $26,000 mark. And those agencies don't require that money lump sum on the front end. It's sort of incrementally as you move through the process. And I would say the average adoption process with an agency is probably about two years. And would there be legal fees on top of that? So if you're working with an agency and you're doing a domestic agency adoption, there's those fees associated with the agency. And then once that child is placed in your home, you know, maybe right at the hospital or a few days afterwards, then there are legal fees to do the legal finalization process. And that's probably all park around $3,000 to do the legal finalization. Okay. Probably not as expensive as most people would think as right. far as the legal aspect right. of things. On the domestic uh, adoption, there's a private word of mouth adoption. Sometimes we mm-hmm. talk about community referral adoption. That's where the, the community sees a need. They see a, a young parent or parents who need help uh, raising their child, who need adoptive parents to partner with them. And those kind of adoption scenarios end up being sometimes three, $5,000. Right, depending on the situation yeah. and what needs to be done as far as that goes. Right. And as far as an international adoption, I know there's a lot of different countries and a lot of different things in country that cost differently in depending on the country. So what's a, a ballpark figure that people could... Yeah, it definitely varies from country to country. I think on the low end is China, which I'd love to hear you talk about, and you know, which is maybe probably $28,000, $30,000 for an adoption from China. And then you know, on the high end would be countries like Hungary or maybe Poland, where you're probably looking at the mid-40s range. But right. why don't you tell a little bit about your experience adopting from China? Right. China was, um, I would say, around thirty to $32,000 um, when it was all said and done. And it was, um, that was agency fees and uh, in-country fees that included everything. Uh, That's one of the good things about China and the agency that I went through, that the way that they handle things is that includes all of your in-country expenses, your hotel, your, uh, all of that. So it was great as far as that goes. And so I would say probably estimate around 30 to 35,000 now because that was about nine years ago. So I think travel, it depends when you travel. We traveled 
during Chinese New Year. So that was a lot more expensive as far as our flights to get there and those kind of things. And different countries require different lengths of stay in the country. One of the reasons why China is has the highest numbers of international adoptions is because it's a pretty efficient process. The, you know, sometimes you're only there two or three days and maybe once, maybe twice, two visits. Uh, but a country like Hungary, where, where we were blessed to adopt from, uh, they require a six-week in-country stay. So you're actually, you're basically a foster parent being supervised by uh, the, the social services system for about a month during that process. And, you know, they want to make sure that things uh, transfer fluidly. And so to a large degree, it's the in-country stay that increases the cost. Right. And in China, it was one visit and it was two weeks. And it was as soon as we stepped down into U.S. soil, she was considered a U.S. citizen. And so it's a little bit different than some other countries. Which that affects the cost is when a child arrives in the United States, do they either arrive as a U.S. citizen or as a permanent resident. And if they arrive as a U.S. citizen, there's no further legal proceedings that need to happen in Alabama because of a recent law change to get the U.S. birth certificate. It's just a matter of filing paperwork with a certain agency. But if the child comes in from, say, somewhere like Uganda, where the adoption hasn't been full and final, then that child comes into the country as a permanent resident. And then to acquire U.S. citizenship and to acquire the birth certificate, you have to go through sometimes people call the finalization or the readoption process, which is in effect just a full adoption in the state court. And so that increases the cost some too for the international adoption. So let's talk about how to offset some of those costs. Mm-hmm. There are many, many ways, and people don't realize how many there are, that there are grants, there's funding, there's fundraisers, there's all kinds of things like that. There are ways to adopt without accruing debt. Yeah, and I think right off the bat, I think everybody should know about the federal adoption tax credit. Mm-hmm. It, the, the amount varies from year to year, but it's between twelve dollars and $13,000. Is whatever you spend towards the adoption, whether it's travel or agency, or legal fees, whatever that is, up to twelve dollars to $13,000 is a tax credit. So it's an offset on your tax liability. That's a huge benefit. And again, most private word of mouth community referral adoptions should be well under that amount. Right. Um, so that's a huge offset. And um, there's some state adoption tax credits too. Mm-hmm. Just for example, in the state of Alabama, if you adopt a child, an unrelated child that was born in the state of Alabama and you live in the state of Alabama, there's even some state adoption tax credits um, but things get really exciting when you start talking about all the plethora of grants out there. Yes, yes. And those change on a regular basis. There's no way we could give you an exhaustive list. But, I mean, you can literally get those kind of things online. But there are private um, adoption grants that you can apply for. Sometimes they'll have an application fee and sometimes they won't. And you can literally just, you, most of the time you have to have your home study already finished But once you have that done, you can go through and you can apply for every grant on the face of the planet that you want to apply for. There's some that are just specific to international adoption, and then there are some that are just any kind of adoption that you can apply for. And if you qualify, then they will sometimes they'll do matching grants where you can fundraise for part of it and they'll match up to a certain amount things like that. So there's a lot of things like that that you can do. And we would love to be able to help you guys and point you guys in the, in the right direction. I would recommend um, a book called Adopt Without Debt by Julie Gum. 
and there's an exhaustive list in there in her book. Um, and I know you recommend her book to a lot of our clients as well that gives fundraising ideas. It gives grant options, all kinds of things. Um, it's an incredible book and she's actually been on the Dave Ramsey show before and talked about all of that kind of stuff. But there's also just, I mean, you can just fundraise and there are groups that will, and churches, if you're involved in a church, your small group, those kind of things. There's so many things that you can do to fundraise that um, people are willing to help. I mean, garage sales and things. It's just amazing. I've seen adoption garage sales that have turned into neighborhood garage sales where people have walked up and then they find Mm -hmm. out it's for an adoption and they'll literally just hand over money to people they don't even know just because they want to be a part of it. So sometimes it's just letting people know that you're adopting. It reminds me the James 127 when James sort of gives a, a, an equation for pure religion. Right. He says, pure religion that's undefiled before God the Father is this, is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep yourself undefiled from the world. So, you know, the, the methodology of how you visit orphans in their affliction is very rarely adoption. Very few people are called right. to that. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, there's fatherless children in the community and having mentoring relationships. Sometimes it's foster care. Sometimes it's uh, working at an orphanage. Sometimes it's financially supporting. And so people that have a desire to engage in that visiting orphans and their affliction, they, they may really want to uh, extend application into financially supporting uh, people that are adopting. Or maybe they want to cut the grass for you while you're gone and out of the country or bring you, bring you meals when you get back. Yes. And so I think you, you really are, um, you know, in the body of Christ, every joint supplies. And so I think when you open up that need to people, um, I think you'll, you'll be surprised at how uh, the body of Christ comes forward to support and surround you. I, I do think it's interesting to look at the history of uh, the evangelical orphan care movement as it ties into the plethora of adoption granting opportunities. So probably in 2010, a decade ago, the evangelical orphan care movement was at its zenith. There were just one statistic, there were 24,000 international adoptions. Uh, and uh, today there are only about 14,000. Right. So between 2010, when a lot of adoption granting organizations were created to help people, um, to help people go through the adoption process, those, obviously those numbers have gone down dramatically. Two thirds of adoption agencies have closed. So you have these granting organizations that were created to help good families go through the adoption process that are almost desperate, maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but desperate to find good families to invest in. And so I think a great first step before you do any adoption fundraisers is to try to find one of these organizations to partner with, whether it's Life Song for Orphans or ABBA Fund or Show Hope, because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have matching grants. So if you do a, at a garage sale fundraiser, they'll have matching grants. There are uh, some of these organizations, Life Song for Orphans, partners with churches to yes. help manage adoption funds. There's one of the churches in our city that I love. I know that they have a $100,000 adoption fund for any of, any of their members that go through the process that they can access those funds to help offset some of those costs. So it is not unheard of for families going through the international adoption process mm-hmm. to have all of their expenses covered through these adoption granting opportunities. I love Julie Gum's book. I, I remember uh, uh, I went out and flew out to Phoenix and I met with her, had coffee with her. She's a great person. She's got a resources page that has a link to several of her favorite adoption granting organizations. I do hold her up as sort of the gold standard in thinking about adoption fundraising. I would say for a family whose focus is centered on Christ and who wants to bring orphans into their world to baptize them into the love of Christ, money should never be an obstacle. Uh, I think let's, I I really encourage you to, to trust God and move forward. And again, you've got 
from one end of the spectrum, you've got international adoption that can be $45,000, you know, to the other end of the spectrum with private word of mouth adoption that may only be $5,000. And uh, we, we, what we love to do is try to, try, to, try to sit down with people and get to know them, get to know their strengths, their preferences, and try to map out a strategy that best fits them, where they are in life, the resources they have and try to help them be successful in that journey of loving birth parents where they are and bringing in children that need a permanent loving home. Absolutely. So we would encourage you to go to our website. A lot of that information is there and you can contact us and we would love to help you as you process through this. And um, we've got a lot of resources on our website as well at theadoptionfirm.com. So um, thank you so much for being a part of this. And maybe we can talk about some ways that people who weren't called to adopt can also help people who are in another podcast. And, um, and we can talk about that and how the churches can come alongside and help in that. I think that would be a good thing to talk about next. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.